Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. We call this the daily word because we're looking to you. We want to open your word. We expect that your word speaks to us because your word is alive and active. And we know that it touches our heart and it transforms our heart. Today we pray that, Lord, you would convict us, that you would inspire us, that you would instruct us, that you would encourage us, Lord. We pray for our our daily bread, that you would give us exactly what we need. We know that you know what we need, and so we ask for it today. And Lord, I pray that this broadcast, this live stream, would just be something simple for us to get our day going, and that as individuals that you would speak to us things through your word that are for us personally. And so this is more of a collective thing that we're doing, but I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us personally about the things that we're to know, the things that we're to do. And so we, we, come, we come before you today, we humble ourselves in your presence together as your people, and we ask that you would move us forward in your purposes. And we thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to go ahead and look at Deuteronomy chapter 26. And I chose to talk about some of the things that are easier to avoid. Now, I know there are a lot of preachers out there and pastors and, and um, leaders that like to focus on these kinds of things. But my heart is that I, I actually... Um, I don't shy away from talking about money, but I choose to speak about it when it's appropriate. And I choose to speak about it biblically and appropriately rather than for some agenda, because I think that people can sniff that out. (laughs) And I'm just, I'm just like you. And so I know that um, we talk about money biblically, we talk about money appropriately. um, and, And that's how we lead. That's how we speak about it. But outside of that, it just becomes a reproach against the church. And so I just chose this morning out of all the passages, you know what, let's talk about tithing. Let's talk about giving because I think it's really important. And I'm not going to receive an offering today. And I know several of you don't go to our church. And so I have no idea what you do or don't do, but I'm just going to share my heart with you right out of the word and we're going to go for it. And so let's go ahead and read. I'm skipping Deuteronomy 25. Sorry about that. There's some good stuff in there. And guess what? You have the word, so you get to read that. And we're going to go ahead and look at Deuteronomy chapter 26. And I'm just going to read it. And here's what it says. Then it shall be when you enter the land, remember they're on their way to the promised land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance and you possess it and live in it. Then you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, I declare this day to the Lord my God that I have entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give to us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, but there he became great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us and imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction and our toil and our oppression. 
The Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and he has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now behold, I have brought you the first of the produce of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you and the Levite and the alien who is among you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, then you shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. You shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my house, and also have given it to the Levite, and the alien, the orphan, the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed or forgotten any of your commandments. I have not eaten of it while mourning, nor have I removed it from while I was unclean, nor offered any of it to the dead. I have listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground which you have given us, a land flowing with milk and honey as you swore to our forefathers. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statues and ordinances You shall therefore be careful to do them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. You have today declared the Lord to be your God and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances and listen to his voice. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession as he promised you and that you should keep all his commandments and that he will set you high above all the nations which he has made for praise, fame and honor and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 26. I want to make some simple observations. As I always do, like I told you, um, I read the word. I journal the word. That's my way of meditating upon the word. Consider and ponder deeply. And I want to just focus on what we read here in Deuteronomy 26 and I think um, just before I do, I want to say that the concept of tithing is, in my opinion, is fundamentally distorted and misunderstood. And I want to talk to you about tithing today right out of this passage. And I'm going to bring up a lot of other passages because what you notice from this passage is this is one of the final statements that Moses makes, kind of a final dissertation as they're heading into the promised land, right? They're at Kadesh Barnea at this time which is right at that sort of crest before they come into the promised land that God has promised their ancestors. And now this generation is getting ready to go and Moses is giving those final instructions. And as we talked about yesterday, Moses is helping them to understand how to establish a new society. All of these rules are so pertinent and important because they literally do not know how to set up a society. How is life going to be once they dispossess the people of that land? How are they to live with God as their king? They, they don't have a democracy. They don't have a king. God is their king. They have a bit of a structure of leadership. Joshua was going to lead them into the promised land. But society as a whole, all they knew was what they knew in Egypt. And they were there 400 years. These are the children of those that were in captivity. So they, they really have no framework, especially as they serve and they follow God. So a lot of these rules are very important. You know, you'll see everything from capital punishment to how to handle, um, I got somebody telling me that they can help, Eddie can help me with my IT difficulties. Love you, man. (laughs) 
But they're, when they go into the promised land, God gives them, these are laws. I mean, if you think about a country having borders, laws, a constitution, this is literally what God is giving to them in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a lot of reminders and then a little bit more detail on how to further establish society, including laws of justice and stewardship. And that's kind of what you're reading about here in Deuteronomy 26. We're reading about, there's a little bit more detail to the issue of the tithe. And I, and I want to bring that up. And it, there's a distortion today. We're far removed from from this conversation. And so we tend to not understand what that conversation was about, what tithing was about, what giving was about. And so there's a few reasons why I think we're distorted in, in, the, in our view of tithing. Number one, we're far removed from the context which the command was given. We have become, uh, in the West, more individualistic society. When, when we teach the concept of giving and tithing, what tends to happen is we tend to go, I don't have to do that. I've actually heard people say this. I don't have to do that. You can't tell me what to do with my money. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm teaching the word, <laughs> but can God tell you what to do? Uh, isn't it his, right? So I'm going to get to that ownership and stewardship mentalities. But it's one of those things where we are so far removed from a collective perspective, an understanding of a togetherness, that we don't even really understand sometimes the scriptures. And so we, we take offense at things because man has used passages to manipulate for their own selfish gain, which there are actually Bible verses that condemn that very thing. But there is such a blessing in really seeking to understand the word, but sometimes the Bible cannot be understood until we actually submit ourselves to a collective perspective. We cannot view, just like right now, I'm an individual. And there's a difference when we think just I'm sitting here and I'm listening to something as an individual. We have to picture ourselves as the church, as the congregation. None of us are the church or the congregation of the Lord by ourselves. We're part of the church. We're part of the congregation of the Lord. But the Bible has to be understood many times in a collective perspective. And one of those has to do with giving. And I think because we're such an individualistic society, it's all about individual freedoms and rights, we tend to kind of distance ourselves from, I think, the way the truth is to be understood and applied at times. And I think this is one of those truths. Number three is we don't understand tithing to begin with. Like, what was it about and why? But let me back up a little bit and, and show you that from the word, this is not the first time that God through Moses brings up the issue of giving and tithing. We look at Exodus 23, 19, and this is where Moses, this is after the giving of the law, he's telling Israel about that forthcoming time, which is almost about to happen for them, that you're going to come into the, this new land, right? Years down the road. And what I want you to do, Exodus 23, 19, is bring the best of your first fruits. Write that down, Exodus 23, 19. Not just bring your first fruits. Bring the absolute best of your first fruits. Interesting. Exodus 34, 26, he says the exact same thing. And now this is another reminder. Think about how many times Moses has to say this in preparation. This is in advance before the people go into their promised land. He says, bring the best of your first fruits of the soil of the ground to the house of the Lord. Once again, this command was not just to an individual. It was for individuals, but it was given collectively. He's speaking to Israel. He's saying to Israel, to you, all of you, this is what we do as a people. It's like speaking to a family. A person could certainly try to individualize it, but literally the command was issued to everybody as a whole. 
and it's to be taken personally as individuals. Leviticus 23, 9 through 4, or 14. He says, when you enter the land, bring the first fruit offering, right? He goes on to, there's actually several verses that talk about that. Numbers 18, 12 through 13. Give to the Lord the first fruits, and the interpretation of first fruits there was also the best. This is the, that, that first part of your crop. Leviticus 18, 1 through 8. This is where it talks about, it shows how the first fruits were a provision for priests to minister. And we're going to actually hit on that here in just a second. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, 2, which is what we're reading today. He says, take some of the first fruits of the first harvest and bring it to the priest. And then what he does is he tells them what to do. When you bring this to the priest, this was a first fruits offering. Okay, there's a difference. The first fruits offering specifically what he's talking about here in Deuteronomy 26, different from the passages I just read. He's saying, when you come into the land and you, they're gonna give an allotment, each person is going to get a, a piece of land except for the Levites, the priests. You're gonna get your allotment. That's given to you by God, right? Each person, it's divided among them. When your first crops come, I want you to take the first fruits of that first season and I want you to put that into this basket and I want you to bring it to the priest. And then he tells them what he wants them to do with that. That's not tithing right yet, right now. This is literally just what you're supposed to do with your first crop, the first fruits, the best of the land in that first season that you enter in and possess it. He says, I want you to declare what God has done and offer him thanks and praise for the deliverance and the provision. You remember, we just read it. He says, when you make that offering, that first fruits offering, I want you to literally declare where you came from what God did, how he delivered you, and this is in thanksgiving for the fact that you are living in the blessing of God because of what he has done. And this is, this is such a profound thing. And I think we forget that our giving is directly connected to our understanding of God, that God has given us all things. And I think we cannot give with a cheerful heart. We can't give our money, our time, our talents, our treasure. We will never give to God with a cheerful heart until we come to the place of recognition that God is the sole source for everything that we have, everything that we are. The fact that we can even be in this place and work with our own hands has to be an acknowledgement of God. That's what he called them to do. Do not forget, he had to give them this really specific command. When you come into the land, the land that God gave you, and when you see the crops come, remember that God sent the rain. God blessed you so that that crop could come. You take from the first fruits, and the first thing that you do before you do anything else is you bring that to the priest, and you declare over that offering that you are thankful for what God has done and the deliverance that God has brought into your life, and you have this because of him. I just want you to be reminded of that. Of that. This, this concept of first fruits and tithing, regardless of what people on TBN say or, or whatever abuses that we've seen, this is so profound, right? Why? Jesus actually tells us about giving later on here. We read about it in Matthew uh, chapter six and verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And so one of the ways to disconnect from idolatry is to connect everything that we have to God. Because otherwise what we will do is we will give our best or we will give our increase to something else or someone else. And it shows a sense of allegiance. It shows a sense of worship, 
a devotion of affection and attention and resource. And this is why first fruits, the concept of first fruits is that we're putting God first. Why? Because we believe and we declare that our increase or our provision comes from him. It doesn't come from just the work of our hands. We know the work of our hands. The ability to work with our hands comes from God. And at the very beginning or the onset of whatever it is that we receive, we're acknowledging him in all of our ways. And this is so, so profound. Deuteronomy 26, 12, which we just read. Then he goes in after the first fruits offering, he goes into talking about one-tenth of all the increase. This is the tithe. So there's the first fruits offering, which happened as they came into the land of the first increase. Now he talks to them about a tithe, which is a reiteration of those passages that I read to you. Remember, first fruits and tithe. Okay, these are different. And they would tithe usually three times a year. One would be an offering and two would be basically the gleaning of the first part of their crop that they would all bring to the priest. And I'll show you or share with you what that was for. One-tenth is brought to the priest and it is offered along with a prayer, not only here, but all the other passages that I read. And verse 13, they declare the offering, recognizing their obedience to the commands of the Lord. And this offering, as we read about in Deuteronomy 26, when they brought this to the priest, it was to provide for the priest because the priest had no land. The priest had no ability to bring increase. The priest did not till the soil. Seed time and harvest was not a part of, of their daily life. And so they didn't just rely on the other people. They ministered to the other people. And this was so the people took a responsibility for the collective in order to provide for them so the priests could minister. Now, it wasn't that they were providing for the priest. It was that they all had a responsibility as a community. Now, I want you to think about this. Priests were not better than other people. Priests just had a specific assignment. And this is all that it was under the old covenant. Okay, they were to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people. They were, in a sense, mediators, of course. But they had to attend to the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple when it gets built later on. And they had their own assignments. So it wasn't like they were special, they were consecrated and they were set apart for their assignment, but it wasn't to say that they weren't part of the community in and of themselves. Each person, something just fell. I don't know what that was. Anyways, <laughs> so they had their assignment and the people of God had a collective perspective where they obeyed the Lord together and they, they took care of one another of the community. So the first place that the tithe was to, was to go for was to provide for the Levites. Secondarily, it was to provide for the fatherless. It was to provide for the orphan. It was to provide for the needs of those that were not able to care for themselves. But this again was all taken into consideration because as a community, we take care of each other. Also, the final person that it was to take care of was the foreigner who had no seemingly no place among them, no inheritance, of course, and never would have, nor no land. So there was this system that was set up so that foreigners could even be taken care of. And they had a whole system around how to take people into their home and how not to take people into their home. But this is really, really to uh, further talk to you about. I just want to talk to you about my perspective on tithing because I get this all the time. Now, I'm just going to give you sort of a five-minute uh, download because today it's real popular to say that the tithe is not for the new covenant. The tithe is not for the church. I hear it all the time. 
And, and the thing is, is that I've, I've actually heard ministers who are itinerant ministers preach this. And it's kind of, it's kind of amazing because they'll take an offering right after they say this, right? So they'll say, hey, like you don't have to give a tithe or you don't have to give a tenth or you don't have to give to the local church in the same way it was prescribed under the old covenant, which by the way, they never teach very thoroughly. They just say you don't have to do it. Okay, you're not obligated, but then why are you asking for an offering after you talk about that because you think your ministry is worthy of, of giving money to, whether you call it a tithe or not? So I, I, won't, I won't go into the dogma, but you can tell I have issues. All right, so here's what I believe about giving, and I'm just gonna shoot a lot of passages at you, and we're springboarding off of Deuteronomy 26 because I think it's important to clear up confusion. Number one, from Old Covenant to New Covenant, this has never changed, nor will it ever. Everything belongs to God. Deuteronomy 10, 14, Behold, the Lord your God, belong uh, to him belong heaven and the highest heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Let's not forget today that regardless of how we talk about giving and tithing, and again, I'm not receiving an offering, everything belongs to God. And without this perspective, nothing makes sense, right? This is the first and the most important thing that we could talk about, period. And so, uh, somebody's saying that it froze on their end. I hope that's not the case. Am I still going? Everything good? Okay, good. So everything belongs to God. Number two, we are stewards of all that we have, right? Luke 14, 33, 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 14, Ecclesiastes 5, 19. I could give you a lot more scriptures than that. When you follow Jesus, you're an owner of nothing. You're a steward of everything. An ownership mindset says that we have exclusive rights and control over all of our property and everything that we have, right? That's an ownership mindset. An ownership mindset acknowledges self. I produced this. I'm the one that caused myself to have increase. I'm the one that worked hard. See, it doesn't even acknowledge that hands are given by God. Breath is given by God. Don't you love that song that says, um, it's your breath in my lungs? I want you to meditate on that today. It's your breath in my lungs. I am alive because you allow it. I am alive because you're the giver of life. See, giving is an extension, not just financial giving, but all kinds of giving, time, talent, and treasure. Our offering our entire selves to God must be complete, total, and thorough. And one of the most important areas because of what it does to our heart, I think it's as spiritual as it gets. This is why Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. There's a spirit, the spirit of mammon that is against us in this. You can tell when you think about money, when you deal with money in our society, there is a spirit of mammon, material possessions, money, that which is attached to the system that causes increase, our ability to buy and exchange. There is something set against us that the way we combat is by acknowledging God and being a, having a collective perspective of community that is not me and I, it's us and him. This combats that. So an ownership mindset has exclusive rights, control over our own property. This is mine. I made this. This is that. A stewardship mindset says that we need to manage well what has been entrusted to us and acknowledges God in everything. Now, here's the thing. Giving financially is a part of worship, and this is from Scripture, front to back. And as a church, the reason that we practice the tithe um, I'll show you is because of the collective perspective that I believe it brings to bear on the community of the Lord, the congregation of the Lord. The, the world we're a part of is preoccupied with material possessions. We can all acknowledge um, there is a part of us we always, that always wants more and beyond our needs. In this season, much has been stripped away from us. 
And I would say one of those things that we have to be careful of when we pray for God's provision is that we're not asking for abundance, okay? And you can sugarcoat it however you want, right? But the reality is, is that sometimes, I told this story one time in, our, in a church service where I was a real estate agent during 2008. You remember when the, the crash hit in the market? And I was a real estate agent then, and so I had bought cash. The first time I'd ever bought, the, it was the nicest car I'd bought, and it wasn't that expensive of a car, but for me back then it was. I bought this Nissan Maxima, it was super nice, had like 15,000 miles on it, my family liked it, I loved it, I always wanted this car and I bought it. And so the crash hits and I got this car sitting out there and I've been praying for God's provision because I have no clients and I have no business and I'm like, Lord, I, I, I pray that you would you know, provide for us and I'm seeking God, right? I'm asking the Lord to, to show up and to provide and all of that, right? And so, um, I remember one day I'm looking out my dining room window and I'm staring at the car that I bought. And I was like, I didn't hear the Lord say this, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was showing me that he's already provided for me. I knew I had to sell the car. So I sold the car and I bought a car that was like not quite a little more than one third of the price that I got back. And the rest of the money caused my family and I to live for four to five months until I got another client. God showed me that what I was praying for, I was praying for not provision, I was praying for abundance. And see, I just didn't, when something was stripped from me, I didn't know how to live content with having less because I was doing well in business and you just get acclimated, you get used to having more. And it was something that the Holy Spirit wanted to do to humble me. So the car that I wanted for so long, I sold that thing and I just bought a, a workable car that could drive. And, um, and that money got us through. God had me buy the car, sell the car, take care of us. And yes, we tithe, we gave uh, based on that. And there's, in a sense, what I'm saying is, is that God takes care of us in all kinds of ways, but a lot of times what we're doing is we're expecting him to, uh, we acclimate to such a higher place and we expect abundance instead of provision. God is providing for us, but we've got to be careful. I just want to read this as we're just briefly talking about giving attached to worship. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and whether, whether uh, thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We keep our hearts in check by the way that we steward what we have. We, we steward it knowing that it's of God. And, and there are principles that the word of God has given to us to keep our hearts in check. Now we can fight that but there's this individualistic mindset that says, I can steward that. And I'm telling you, I personally believe this. While I can't, I will not say to you today that the tithe is a new covenant command. I will say that it's a new covenant principle. And I believe what it does is it keeps us uh, connected to a collective perspective where we together pool our resources, we provide for the things that we value as a community in order to see the kingdom of God advance. There are some things that simply just do not happen until we collectively pull our resources together. I think we saw that in Israel under the new covenant, and I believe that we also see that in the new covenant as well. I think it looks differently. I think it's different than a command per se. I think it's the principle, but I think it's the principle that we lead with in order to do the things that God has called us to do. Jesus articulates that how we steward is a matter of worship. Listen to what he says further in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And I want to 
put that stake in the ground. We cannot serve God and wealth. So let me just nail down tithing. What is it? Uh, as a church, I would say, I'm just speaking for Northwest Church, we teach, we model the biblical principle of the tithe. Now, when it comes to Israel and what we read in Deuteronomy 26, like I said, they would bring a first fruits offering and they would tithe off of their harvest as, as many times as they would harvest throughout the year. They would bring one-tenth of their increase and they would bring it to the priest and it would be provision for the priest as an offering to the Lord and it would cover and care for the fatherless, the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner's needs in order to take care of the foreigner while they were not able to take care of themselves. This was a provision that as a community they brought together and they pulled their resources in order to care for the values and the value system that God told them that they were to continue as a people. And he lays that down in Deuteronomy. Once again, this is the kingdom society that God called them to carry out. And I would tell you that kingdom society still persists and still needs to continue for those of us in the new covenant. Just because we're saved by grace through faith does not mean that as the congregation of the Lord that we don't pull our resources together. I just think that is a farce. I think that's error. And I think it leads us down a road of individualism that honestly, when we're just by ourselves and for ourselves, we will find some way, shape or form that we will do more for ourselves rather than the other. And I have seen that again and again. And you could argue with me and say, well, that's not true of me. Well, okay. But the, but the reality is, is that what we do together and as we do it together, we will find that there will be a greater impact. Uh, the second is the tithe is essentially, it's a tenth of our income. A tithe shows up in the Bible hundreds of years before the law was given. And this is where Abraham um, tithes to Melchizedek. There we see the, the, the priest of Salem. This is Genesis 14, 18. This is before the law was given. There was an understanding of tithe. There was an understanding of offering beyond ourselves. Also, a tithe was considered holy to the Lord, Leviticus 27.30. A tithe was an issue of the heart, Malachi 3.10. A tithe was further affirmed by Jesus as a righteous action. Again, this is not necessarily after the establishment of the new covenant, but it was certain some, something Jesus affirmed as a righteous action, Matthew 23.23. 23. A tithe was practiced in various forms in the church, 1 Corinthians 16, one too. Now, the first Christians were Jewish. They still continued the tithe. Those, when Gentiles were added to the church, we see that Paul actually calls them on a few occasions to pull together their resources in order to provide for specific things. Not only that, but two occasions, Paul actually says the same thing that we just read in Deuteronomy 25. He says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. And he uses that as a metaphor in the New Testament to say, provide for those he even says, doubly honor those who preach and teach among you. Doubly honor means financially provide for them. This was a new covenant principle. Whenever a person has struggled with giving and tithing and they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm paying for you know, some pastor to have a Rolls Royce. Okay, I, I've never gone to a church like that before. I know they exist, okay? But me and Bridget don't have a Rolls Royce. And it's humbling, you know, that the people of God, and I, as honest as I can be, support our living. I had a business for 15 years. That wasn't always the case. I always prided myself on being like the Apostle Paul, my wife and I, we took care of our own needs and ministered at the same time. We did that for many years and we'd do it again. But it's humbling to think that the people of God support our ministry in such a way where we can make a living, we can make a, a living and, and we're okay, and that um, and we don't have to go poor, our, our kids can eat, and we can just devote ourselves to the word, to the ministry of the word and to prayer and leading the people of God. It's humbling, it's honoring, but I'll tell you, um, 
when I laid my business down and I solely focused on this, I was a lot more productive in the things of the kingdom. And so the fact is, is that I can understand why Paul would call the people of God to support their elders, those who preach and teach among them. I'm just speaking practically. Absolutely. When I'm funded, we don't, we don't fund programs. We fund people. Let's be honest about that. A lot of times there are these slick videos that come out trying to compel us to give money towards a certain organization. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just go ahead and share with you the facts. When you give your money to the church, what you are really doing is you're putting money into the hands of people. And you're saying, I trust you to do collectively what I just don't have the influence in the position to do. See, if you put your money into the hands of somebody that's dishonest, they're going to lose your money, squander your money. But when we realize it's not our money and we're not tithing to the local church, we're tithing through the local church. There's a big difference when you say it that way. I don't look at us as tithing to the local church as though we're not a part of it. It's through the local church. I've been tithing. I've been giving a tenth of my income and, uh, since I was 19 years old. And Bridget and I, since we've been married, we've been giving a tenth of our I'm not saying that to get anything from you. I'm just saying I have never, and I can honestly say this, I have never not tithed. And God has always taken care of us. He's always been our provider. But I have never had to ask God to provide for us outside of us acknowledging whatever we had as his. And so what I am saying is I believe the blessing of the Lord doesn't just rest on the obedient act, but it's the heart in offering that before God to him, but collectively for the community. I believe in everything that our church does. I believe in the million dollars that we give away as a church community. Since I've been here for nine months, I'm impressed that we give away so much money to missions and ministry and evangelism and helping the poor and all that we do. But also, I have no problem supporting those that teach and preach among us. I have zero problem giving to those that labor in the teaching of God's word and the leading of God's people. I don't, want the, I don't think they need to be richer than the people that they're serving, but I certainly think they need to be provided for, and I've never had a problem with that. And I know some people do. I don't know why. It's a biblical principle. Paul also goes on to say this uh, more than twice, actually. He says it a few times where we cover and we care for those elders that are among us. Not everybody, but there are some of them that, that are provided for. So if nobody else, uh, I mean, if you've never had that perspective, I, I, if you may not even go to our church, it's not even about convincing us. It's saying there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money. I wonder why. I wonder why, because it's serious. I wonder why Moses had to say it so many times to the people that were in the wilderness when they went into the promised land. Acknowledge God with the wealth that you are getting because literally he's giving you land. And so if they didn't have some societal rule or law, which wasn't ultimately God's heart, was just to give his people rules. It was to, it was to help them have a heart posture to not forget what God had done. And this was the prescribed way in which he wanted them to give back to him so that their hearts were not attached to idolatry and focused merely on themselves. We understand there's, um, I, I understand there's plenty of debate about tithing in the new covenant, but here's what I would say. In the new covenant, tithing is about a collective perspective. I only got a few more minutes and I wanna say it to you this way. If you ask me, Pastor Ben, do you believe that tithing is a command of the new covenant? No, I, I, I don't actually believe it's a command. In fact, I think Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says that he, he calls people to be cheerful givers, happy givers, okay, not obligatory. I've told people before, everybody I disciple, I teach them about tithing, I teach them about giving. 
Why? Because that's what I practice and I always have. And I've always honored God with whatever we have. It's his, it's not mine. And this is just a part that we play as the community and the congregation of the Lord to pull our resources together to give. If we decided to do 5% or 7%, fine. But as a community, we've decided to hold on to the biblical principle that we read about in scripture, which was a command for the people of Israel in their society. And as kingdom society, I've just, con- I've, I've just believed that we continue that principle we preach and we teach that and we pull our resources together collectively that we submit to something bigger than ourselves. And to me, that is massive because it, it literally separates us from an individualistic mindset and puts us together as the people of the Lord. And here's what I would say. When you're a part of a church community and they've decided, the leadership has decided, the people have decided, hey, we tithe as a community, you have a decision that you're going to make. Either you're going to go with your leaders, because I do too. I mean, it's not like uh, whatever the church pays me, you can guarantee 10% of it they get back, you know. <laughs> it's just the way it works. But but we practice this. It's not like, hey, give me your money, I get a bonus. I don't care. It's not your money and it's not my money. I'm just leading people in the same way that I'm living. But I believe it's wise, it's godly, and it's right as a people that we decide on something together and we say, this is what we do as a community, and then this is how we distribute that money. This is why as a church, we have a business council. We have eight people made up of congregation members who we consider wise, godly, and stewards. They're fiduciaries of the church. We get together, I get together with them, with a few others once a month, and we make decisions on the finances that the church brings in as a whole. And collectively, we make decisions on how that's distributed. It's just a wise, godly, and biblical principle that we see from Old Testament, to New Testament. I see nothing wrong with it. The only reason that anybody has contention with it is because there's an individualistic mindset there or they've had abuse. Now, I'm sorry if you've had abuse. If you feel like if you've been a part of a congregation where funds have been misused, forgive those people and move on and serve the Lord in the way that he's increased you, right? And, uh, you know, if you don't go to our church, awesome, you know, but I, I come into alignment with your congregation. I always wonder what are leaders for if people don't listen to them? It's, you know, you don't, leaders do not have the right to dictate to us. In fact, I've had several people give as a result of me teaching this before. And I've told them, do not give because I told you. Give from the heart. Give from the heart. Give because you believe it's what God calls you to do. Give because you study the scriptures, not to find a way out of it, but to find a way into it. To find a way into being a happy, cheerful, thankful, grateful giver and honoring God with your increase, honoring God with your provision, honoring God because you believe it's his breath in your lungs, it's his resources in your hands. I just think that's the wisest and most powerful way for us to live life. So here's the deal. I talked to you about tithing today. I've got, I've got listen, I've got a lot of stuff here. I, I brought out some, some, some stuff that I teach But as I was reading Deuteronomy 26, being reminded of a society that God wanted his people to set up, I think sometimes that the political structures and the societal structures that we're a part of bring us a different mindset than the mindset of the Lord. We're, We're to be, as we read, that God wanted Israel to be. We are too, as the church, we are set apart. We are consecrated, holy unto the Lord for his purposes. And the reason he calls us to pull things together, whether that's time, talent, or treasure, he calls us to bring together all that we have so that we can be fruitful, that we can advance his kingdom for his purposes. Money's not all there is. It's just a part of what we steward in his kingdom.
So I pray this blesses you. Um, I don't talk about this very often, but I just thought, man, as we're looking at this, it's just so important. So I wanted to share it with you because truthfully, since I was 19 years old, I heard the message of tithing and giving. And I've heard about a hundred messages since on how you're not supposed to, don't need to, and it doesn't matter. And I just, I just hold in my heart that I question that perspective. I question that mindset. And I just wonder what, what, what agenda people have to teaching against it. Now, here's the thing. Any abuse that you see, any manipulation that you see, just chuck that out, right? If you're a part, if you're a part of a church and you don't trust um, the stewardship, the elders, the leaders, the way finances are spent, if you don't feel like you know how money is being spent or how it's being collected or where it's going, you need to, all right? There needs to be transparency. There needs to be clarity. There needs to be a system. It needs to be trustworthy. That's what we see in Deuteronomy. It was a trustworthy system. Everybody knew what happened with the tithe. Nobody was confused about it. It went to the priest. The priest was provided for and their family, and they distributed to care for everyone else. Everybody knew exactly what happened. And when priests, which did happen in Jesus's day, which is why he turned over the money changers and the money tables, because the priests were part of collecting the interest, by the way, a whopping 18 to 20% interest that they were collecting by bringing the merchandising into the court of the Gentiles. That's why Jesus was angry, right? Because that was the only place the Gentiles could go and see Yahweh represented and the priests were in on that. That's, yeah, that, that does happen. People do mishandle the funds that are meant to be the provision of the Lord for the way that he has prescribed. When that happens, I mean, I would question why you're at that church. I would question why you're among people that you can't trust in terms of leadership. You need to be able to trust your leaders. They're not perfect and they're not better than anybody. They're just people that have been placed in a stewardship, just like you and just like me and other places of society. But as we do this together, we've got to be able to trust each other. We've got to be able to walk together. We've got to be able to be agreed. And we cannot let past abuse, misuse, or any of that become our Bible. We've got to study the Word of God and have our convictions fixed and focused on His Word and not what anybody else has done wrong. I'm preaching. I'm on my soapbox. I want to throw out that foolishness and that nonsense that everybody does. I'm not receiving an offering today. I'm just pointing you to the word of God. <laughs> I love you. God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray as we close, as we simply just pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts in such a way where we're just stewarding what he has entrusted to our care, where we thank him for his deliverance. We thank him for the ability to work. We thank him. Even if we lost our job right now, guess what? He'll provide for us. He'll take care of us. I believe that with all my heart. He's our provider and we thank him for that. So let's pray together today over what we've talked about. Father, we do thank you in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's listening today. Um, I thank you, Lord, that it's not about what you want from us. It's about what you've given to us. And we need not fear your words. Your words are, we cherish your words. As we've already read in Deuteronomy, we, we bind them around our heart, Lord. We write them on our doorposts. Your words help us to know how to live life, God. And we just acknowledge you in all of our ways today that, Lord, our increase, our finances, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot, it's all yours. We're owners of nothing. We're stewards of everything. And, Lord, we want to give as according to the prescription of Scripture. We want to do that with happy hearts, with glad hearts. And I pray if there's anybody listening to me today that has that bitter taste in their mouth and they say, look, I've seen this done poorly I've, I've had things manipulated. I've, I've had manipulation. I've been taken advantage of. Lord, I just pray right now 
that you would heal that place, that you would set them, uh, separate them from that past wound manipulation or whatever that was. And God, I pray that you would give every one of us a biblical mindset, that we would study the word of God and understand it in such a way where we would be totally free of the bondage of men, bondage of women, the bondage of humanity, that we would be free to live as you as our source. And Lord, we would be so happy to give in whatever way that you call us to. And Lord, I thank you for our church and those that are watching from Northwest. I just bless them right now in Jesus' name. There's no guilt. There's no shame. This isn't what it's about. It's about standing before you. And at the end of our life, we know that we lived before you. And that's what we decided. And I just, I pray God, even over this issue, that we would not be subject to the spirit of mammon. We would not be subject to materialism, to humanism. Lord, to any of that kind of thinking, I pray, God, that we would be disciples of your kingdom, disciples of the word, disciples of the Lord Jesus, and that we would have no problem, not only tithing to the local church, but through it. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to pull together as a community and say, we did this together, that not one of us would be separate from the celebration of what we do as a church community, and that, you, Lord, you've positioned us in such a place where, Lord, we can we can help provide for the needs of this community, that we're not just looking to the government, but we're looking to our Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord, that your system works. We thank you, Lord, that your word works. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we look to you together and that you're over all of us and you're over all of this. And so, Lord, we bless you today and we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.